Hi, welcome to In the Pacha, where I, Sam Reinstein, Rabbi Congregation Kol Israel in Brooklyn, have conversations with different educators about the weekly Torah portion. This week, I'm here with Rabbi Roy Feldman. Hey, Roy. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Thank God everything is well. Good. Um, so, I mean, we know each other back from our time in Yeshiva University, but uh, do you mind introducing yourself to everyone? Sure. Um, I grew up in New York City, and I attended Yeshiva University for my rabbinical school with Sam. Before that, I went to Columbia for undergrad. Uh, and I'm currently the rabbi at Congregation Beth Abraham Jacob in Albany, New York. Cool. Um, so do you mind saying like a couple things about like the community? Um, for people sure. that don't, because it's somewhat random, but not completely random. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very diverse community. There are people that are longtime Albany families that have been up here for generations, and there are people that moved right. here for work, for school, whether they work for the New York State government. This is the state capital, or uh, right. there are professors sure. at SUNY Albany, or doctors at the Albany Medical Center, or one of the other medical centers around here. So it's kind of a hodgepodge of a lot of people that are here for various reasons. And we have a, what I would call a big tent Orthodox community. If you kind of took nice. a cross section of all people who might identify as Orthodox in America, we have somebody like everybody. <laughs> That's great. It's, it's actually somewhat similar. I mean, as you describe it, it's somewhat similar to the community that I'm in also in Brooklyn. So um, it's always great to hear that there are other communities like that. Um, yeah. Um, so um, as usual, um, I'm going to do a summary on the Parsha. Um, I'll try and do it as quick as possible. Um, under 30 seconds is the goal. Looking forward to hearing it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so knowing he's going to die, Yaakov makes Yosef promise to bury him in Canaan. He then instructs Yosef to bring his two sons, Ephraim and Menashe, to him. Yaakov switches his hands, choosing the younger Ephraim and prophesizing him to be the leader. Each of his sons come to get a blessing, and Yaakov gives poetic and cryptic messages to all of them. After he passes away, the brothers bury Yaakov in Canaan. Yosef lives to 110, and before he dies, promises his brothers that God would eventually take him, take them to the promised land. He then makes them promise to bring, bring his bones with them. Okay. That was pretty um, good. Yeah, so there's there's a bunch going on in this week's parsha. You know, there's the Ephraim of Nasha, there's the... Uh, there's the, um, you know, the, all the brachot, there's the blessings. Um, I always thought that was I'm the curious. centerpiece of the Parsha, the, the brachot yeah, sure. that Yaakov gives to, or gave to all of his sons. Yeah, and especially because they're, uh, it's a little bit of like a summary a little bit, because, you know, they're all referencing things that have happened. Sure. Uh, so I, I'm, I'd be curious to hear what you, what you were thinking about while you were reading it. I mean that—that's actually the topic of my uh, sermon this coming Shabbat about the uh, the looking backwards and looking forwards of the brachot that Yaakov gave. Okay, but that's not what I wanted to talk to you about, Sam. Otherwise, uh, okay. uh, otherwise, uh, my congregants wouldn't have to come to shul. <laughs> this podcast. I have done this. If if I be honest, I have done this before, where I've used something I spoke about here for. <laughs> Not that often, though. Um, yeah, so I'm curious what um, what what else what else you were thinking about. So uh, when you asked me to to speak on this podcast with you, I I was thinking we take it as an opportunity to do a retrospective on all of Bereshit, since it's the last 
uh, Parsha. Is this sure. is this the first book you've completed on the podcast, or is it the second or third? No, we started with Bamidbar actually. Oh, you started so, with Bamidbar, so you uh, yeah. Um, um, but nonetheless, the, but I but I didn't do but <laughs> I'm sorry, it was hard. I, I all during the holidays we weren't able to have a Vizosabracha episode, so so this is really um, the first so book really you're completing. Second. You're completing. Uh, well, Bamidbar first. Oh, you started with Parshas yeah. Bamidbar, I see. Yeah, um, exactly. So I I thought this would be a good opportunity to look at you know there's a there's a wealth of rabbinic literature and thinking as to why there is the Book of Bereshit. Um, it's, it's actually the, the question that Rashi opens his whole commentary with. Rashi says, why, why is there this book? If the Torah means a, a book of laws, a book of the way we should live our Jewish life, why did we need this whole long story to bring us up to the point of the laws? Right. What do you think, Sam? I mean, I, I know in that case what Rashi says, um, but um, I assume that's not going to be good enough. But what Rashi <laughs> says is uh, that it's kind of like a way to prove that the land of Israel belongs to us right? Um, late, later on in history. But I, I think there's so much more, uh, and I think it's telling that, that it's a question, meaning really Torah should have been the book of, of laws, the book of how we should live our life. And it's a, it's a really great question. Right. Um, right. I'm, cu- I mean, I'm curious to hear what you yeah. have to say. I mean, why, why do yeah. you think we have this whole long story before beginning the rules? Right. I mean, the way, the, I mean, I, w- I would imagine two separate things. One is just like putting down our, like our history and lore. Um, and it's important for people to have like a, a backing in terms of what, where they came from and, um, and I guess in that vein, like what values they care about and what what things they should learn. Uh, and so Brishi kind of does that in a way that the other books can't uh, because they're because it's one all the way at the beginning, but also um, it shows like very personal stories in a way you can't do when once you have sure. a nation. I, I I actually really identify with what you've uh, what you've said, Sam. Um, and I think that that you really said two separate things and, and they're exactly the two things that I, that I think about when I right. consider the value of Bereshit. Oh, okay. Uh, the first is just the value right. of telling the national narrative. I mean, it's one thing to just show up with a book of laws, but the Torah has this whole long story that builds up to the laws that tells us why we should be interested in them, why we should be a part of this nation, part of the people. Um, and I think that's a that's a very important thing in, in Sefer Bereshit. A, a lot of rabbis, I'm sure you do this occasionally, Sam, start a sermon with a story. Right. And it's not for naught. It's because right, sure. that's how you show people that what you're about to say is relevant to them. Stories connect people emotionally uh, and, and, and reach them on a gut level. Uh, we're, we're hardwired to, to identify with stories and with personal histories and with national histories and with metaphor. And Bereshit does that beautifully. So, so in that way, like um, Bereshit would be like a, a really long um, kind of like intro to 
um, I guess Brigitte and Shmovei, you know, that's a story also, um, right. Um, would be like a really long intro into like, this is why you What do you think about that? Right. Interesting. Right. Um, I mean, for certain things, I, I think that makes like a lot of sense, especially the Exodus story. Um, and especially I would say like the, the stories with like Avram and the tests and like um, things like that. Um, it does seem to be a little long winded if it's, if it's just that meaning um, there's a, like a lot of stories throughout all of Rishi. Um and like, and not all of them seem to be directly related to the idea of, of like why no, you should care about right. God's law. Um, the truth is there are a lot of stories in the Talmud too, which is essentially a book of, of law as well. So it, maybe it points to the, to the importance of, of mixing together right, stories right. that illustrate something with uh with the laws which is really what the torah does the torah has throughout the whole uh, throughout the whole torah there are rules and there are stories so that that kind of mixing is is a good uh, not only a good pedagogical tool but also a good tool for um for for well, yeah basically a good pedagogical tool i guess Um, right. Interesting. But what you said also touched right. on on the other side yeah. of this, and that is that there is something to be learned from the stories themselves. Uh, some kind of values or or things that we can learn from Avraham, right. Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Um, one of the Ramban's projects, Nachmanides, was to show that you couldn't have a law for everything. Some things are just kind of generally learned and generally understood. Uh, that, that's what his comment on uh, in Vait Hanan, on Vasita Hayashar Vahatov. He says, the Torah couldn't give given you every single law in detail to be a good person. You just have to know how to be a good person. You have to understand somehow. to go beyond what the laws basically require. Right. And, and right. And so the stories like give you like a, give you like almost like more like a value system than a, than like a specific right, not just flexible, but it's more, so that it's more flexible. It's more real. That way. Um, you know, they, people talk about different systems of ethics. Right. Uh, some people believe in in deontological ethics, which means that there are things that are right and good to do, and things that are wrong or bad to do. Um, Aristotle believed in virtue ethics. It's not that there's a list specifically of of what you have to do and what you can't do, but rather we develop virtuous qualities. Uh, and, and one way of developing virtuous qualities is by following rules, but another way is to be inspired by by these stories and to follow in their model. Right. Or learn from their or, mistakes, or, absolutely. Or learn from the mistakes. And Siv almost says this explicitly in his introduction right. to Bereshit. At the very, very beginning, he notes that Chazal, our rabbis, call Bereshit Sefer Hayashar. Um, and the reason why it's called Sefer Hayashar 
is that it teaches us how right. to be Yashar Vatova. It teaches us how to be good people. If, if you don't mind, I can read you a short passage from the Nitziv. He says, do you usually go Hebrew or English? Sure. Great. Yeah, but I, I have, I, should I read the Hebrew? Or should um, I just definitely have to translate. But, uh, so. Okay. Uh, so this was the sure. unique praise of our patriarchs. Not only were they righteous and pious, and not only did they love God to their fullest ability, but in addition, they were yesharim. They were upright. They accustomed themselves to deal straightforwardly with people. And even idol worshipers who, you know, are the worst possible thing according to the Torah. Even idol worshipers were treated with love and concern for their well-being by our patriarchs and matriarchs. And um, this was exemplified, he points out, by the great extent to which Avraham applied himself through prayer and appeals to preserve Stone. Avraham prayed to God to spare Stone, even though Avraham, no doubt, thought that the people were terrible and, and, and they were wicked. But nonetheless, he was a straight and upright individual and believed in the continuity of the world. Um, so that's kind of how the Nitziv accounts for all these stories. Right. So kind of like, and maybe, I mean, in that vein, maybe that's why some of like the Midrashim may go so out of their way to kind of treat these people as such great people that we should learn from and be like people that we should really like try to be like. Absolutely. I think that, that accounts if that's for the why point the Midrashim the are what they are. Um, right. Huh. Interesting. So I, I think that that's, yeah, I'm listening. And so I think that that's oh, yeah. kind of the way to flesh out the two things that you no, pointed out. But they really are what I thought also. First of all, that just having the story is uh, is valuable into itself. Um, in that we are we are wired to identify with stories, and it makes you really buy into something. But also because the stories themselves have something valuable to teach us. Right. But those those values and something to teach us might be why why we buy into it. I mean those two things I think could be related. They they're definitely Absolutely. not the same thing. Um but they might be related in the sense that uh that the reason we we should care is because right, these are our values and these are the things we should care about. I think I think Rav Cook has a passage in Orot Torah, where he says that 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 you have to have some basis of these values in order to even understand what the Torah desires of us, because without a basis and moral general values, what he calls Derech Eretz, his his whole thing is that Derech Eretz Kadmala Torah is not just which is a, a common phrase we quote that means that one should be a mensch, one should be a a good person. Uh, even before they take on the Torah, he says it's chronological. It's Derech Eretz literally came before the Torah and that there is something that, and that the Torah 
assumes that we have that derech eretz before we take on the yeah. Torah. So perhaps, perhaps Bereshit is meant to teach us that derech eretz or to be a, a model for that derech eretz. Right. Uh, and right. so therefore it had to, not only did we have to learn it, but it had to come first. Um, and interesting. Um, even though there are stories later on, and for those other reasons, um, to make it real, to be part of our history, but like the reason why we had to have all these like almost ethical stories first um, right. was to like, was to prove that, was to and, and almost be an example that, of that. That doesn't mean that everybody was perfect. Our, our vote, our forefathers were human beings and they certainly made mistakes. And we're supposed to learn from those mistakes too, just like we... We study any any important and great figures in history that that we yeah. want to learn from. Right, all right, all right. They can be like ethical learning stories, even if they're not always sure. perfect. Um, and that's that's part of it too. Um, and it makes it real. Um, yeah, always uh, when you do this in Joshot, uh, it's always hard if you want to, if you have a story of something, even maybe that you did wrong, it's hard to, you know, to realize that that might be okay, but it's it's hard to kind of put that in. Um, it's kind of using it in that way. Um, a lesson like from yeah, but absolutely. Something but it's, that's very powerful. I mean, just speaking kind great. of methodologically as a rabbi, I think it's it's, yeah. it's powerful when when the rabbi shares that. Yeah. I made so and so mistake, such and such mistake, or or I I did this wrong. I wish I could do better. Right. Interesting. Cool. Cool. That I mean, I think that that gives people really like a lot of food for thought as to like what what we've been doing the last ten weeks, or or so eleven, I think, um, and. And kind of why we should care, um, and and a lot of these things I think will continue for the next you know five or so weeks, yeah. at least until we get to you know, Yitro. Yeah, absolutely interesting. Um, so is it okay if we transition? Yeah. So something that I was thinking about was um, uh, something more specific that happens in the parsha. Um, I'm also not talking about the the blessings. Um, I couldn't find anything like that was really great about something holistic about that. But um, but something I was thinking about is after Yaakov dies, so all of a sudden, like the patriarch isn't there anymore, and the brothers get all scared. Um, so in chapter fifty, um, verse fifteen. Um, um, so the brothers of Yosef see that their father had died. Um, Yosef will hate us now. Um, he's going to do all these bad things um, because of all the bad things we did to him. Um, That's so a the, wild what, verse. What I was like thinking about was like, I don't know. I feel they don't. Like, they don't trust him. They don't yeah. trust Yosef. It's like they've they've been living with him for a long time. Yeah. He's done like all these good things. Yeah, they still don't trust him. 
Um, and even though he's, he's very proven, he, I think he's proven himself a bunch. Uh, you know, he took care of them, you know, in these past seven years, the entire country's, you know, gone downhill and, you know, the Jewish people are, or, you know, these brothers are like, well, the prospering whole relationship like with the brothers and, is colored by those two. And for some reason, they still don't trust them a couple of weeks ago. Right. 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 Where, where they're going to bow down to him, but they, they already did. Right. Like this already happens. I don't know. Right. I mean, it's, we know it seems that it's like over that story is that over. In the end, um, Yosef doesn't. They don't see you know, it as over. His kind of powerful, whatever wrath over them, but right, sure. they don't really, they don't really trust them. Since childhood, this guy has been the melech. This guy has been the king, and in their father's eyes, and 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 what that pasuk says is that they're concerned that the only reason Joseph has been holding himself back is because Jacob was still there watching him. Right. So so there are two Midrashim that I found, that I, one in uh, Breshi Rabbah, one in Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer, um, which are two different books of, um, of like rabbinic um, Midrashim, like different stories or, or understandings. Um, so they both try and answer the question why they felt that way. Like they, they both say that they felt exactly what you said is that now Yosef is dead and they're, and they're all, you know, um, and they're all concerned. Um, but why? So the Brishi Rabbah um, argues that what happened was um, you, all of a sudden Yosef decided not to eat with them anymore. Like he used to have lunch with them the every day in like the faculty cafeteria, I guess. Um, and and now he's all of a sudden when Yaakov dies, he stops doing that. Right, in staff cafeteria. <laughs> um, right, <laughs> right. Um, and the re- reason he stops, though, according to the Midrash, is because Yaakov would tell Yosef to like sit on top because he was like the second to the king. Um, and now that Yaakov was no longer alive, he didn't feel comfortable sitting on top because he had to, because um, he was like, you know, a big shot. Um when his brothers were there. So instead of like just dealing with that fact and t- telling them, he just decides I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to eat with them at all. Um, and so they see this as, Oh, he doesn't like us anymore, or he's going to, you know, do bad things to us. Um, so that's, that's Midrash number one. And then Midrash number two is that when they bury him, um, Yaakov, Yosef looks into the pit, um, and sees a pit and which is just overtaken by this stares into the pit because he's overtaken that like oh this was the type of pit that so many miracles happened to me with um, but the brothers see that as a oh my gosh he's remembering the pit he's gonna uh, you know do bad things to us now i mean i think they both they both touch on uh um, any thoughts on either of those human thing a natural human condition and that is that we project our own thoughts onto other people. And we think that the way we experience something, and this is just a, a natural phenomenon, the way we think that we experience something is also the way someone else is experiencing it. And we think that the thoughts that are coloring our perception 
are the same thoughts right. and perception that are going on in someone else's head. But the reality is that everyone has their own thoughts and perceptions. And the very same situation, the very same object, the very same event can be experienced and interpreted by different people in different ways. And it is. So in both of those midrashim, that's what happens. Yosef thinks he's being humble by not eating with the brothers, but the brothers see it in a different light. And when they look at the at the uh, boar at the um, the grave, right. Yosef sees it as symbolic of all the miracles that transpired for him, but the brothers think he's seeing it as something else entirely. Right. And, and they kind of just assume, and because they don't talk about it, um, which is actually what I was talking about last week, right? It was uh, like the fact that they don't, they just don't, they don't discuss it afterwards. Like Yosef doesn't go to them and be like, Hey, you know, I I'm stopping to have these meals because I feel uncomfortable, you know, putting myself above Reuven. Um, is it okay if like right. we stop having the meals? Or would you rather, you know, like they don't talk about it because they don't talk about it. Um, they're stuck in this. Right. And like, actually, oh, those, what is those he two thinking? in a beautiful Stage. way highlight the the simple reading of that pasuk, of the verse that you read. That's exactly what's going on in the verse, even without the midrashim. Right? Joseph's not thinking, I'm going to hate them. But the brothers are thinking, he's going to think he hates us. Uh, meaning like they... Right. And, and, right. But I, I guess, but the problem, the difference between the verse and the, and the, the Midrashim is that the verse, um, like is a general idea. And I think that's reasonable. Right. And they can't go to Yosef and be like, Hey, do you hate us now? Right. They can't, they can't do that. But they, what they can do is like, Hey, Yosef, why are we no longer eating meals together anymore? Or like, oh, what were you thinking when you were looking into the pit, right? Those are, um, like, they got the, the, midrashim the big thing that feeling into like because a of real the small things, because they don't talk about the small things. That they could have had a conversation about, but don't. Right. Right. And had they just had that conversation, you know, you don't know. Uh, maybe... Uh, I mean, this all gets taken care of anyways, but like they might not have felt that way. They might've been like, oh, that makes sense. You know, that's fine. Um, I see this a lot in shul where somebody does something um, and, you know, it doesn't create like a big thing, but like somebody else is like, oh, what's going on? And really, usually it's not anything. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's somebody was tired or somebody was, you know, having a hard week or whatever. Um, and, you know, everyone assumes that not only that other people feel the way they you're, feel, you're but your also that they're part of every story. You know, you always feel like you're, it's called the spotlight effect. Like you always feel like everyone's looking at you. Yeah. But like Yosef doesn't care, isn't, isn't thinking about them. Maybe it's a different issue. Um, but Yosef is doing it because he doesn't feel it's appropriate to eat with them or, or it's miracles for him in the pit. Um, but really he's not, he doesn't hate them. And they, but they think, oh, it must be about us. 
how could it not be about us? Um, and I feel like so often um, people do things and um, other people look at those actions and say, oh, that's clearly about me. That's and like a good, school, it happens in relationships, you know, a really high percentage of the time. It has nothing it to do with you. Of settings. Um, and it just, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, you know, um, not everything is about, right. Right. You know, not everything is about you or, or me or any, any singular person. Um, everyone's going through their own stuff. Um, and you going through his own stuff and, right. and, uh, the brothers don't need to see it as, as it's them. And, and they kind of fix it all up in the, in the following verses. Yeah. Um, any, any last thoughts look, on that? Or the next, the next verses, 16 and, and onwards. Okay, what do you mean? Um, Yosef says to them, Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I'm not taking the place of God. Meaning I'm not. Right. He, he kind of, Yosef, maybe Yosef. And maybe that's why. Well, let's right. read the whole thing. Um, I have the translation in front of me. Here it is. They sent the message to Joseph saying, thy father did command before he died saying, so say to Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now the transgression of thy brethren and their sin for that they did unto the evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spoke unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are thy bondsmen. Mm. We're going to be your slaves. And Joseph said to them, I'm not in place of God. So they, they really talk about the evil that the brothers did to Joseph. So the, the brothers felt one way. And then the events that transpired afterwards kind of became that awkward conversation. They do actually, right? right? But they actually do have that conversation, which is very different than, you know, the rest of the story until now. Um, they actually do sit down and, you know, kind of, yeah. kind of have that like really hard talk that they should have had right. and 20 they both, years ago. They, um, they both settle they each other's have. sides for each other. Like the brothers apologize. They say, we'll be your slaves. That's what, by that they mean, we're really right. sorry for what we did. We hope you yeah. can forgive us. Like, and Joseph says, you know, I know I dreamed that I'm going to be God and you're going to bow to me, but I'm not in place of God. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Even though he somewhat has that power, but he like almost... They're nervous and he kind of puts that away and kind of, I don't know. I feel like this ends that story really nicely um, where, I don't know. You always think of the Yaakov, Yosef and the brother story as like really negative. I don't know. But now looking at this, maybe it's, maybe it's not, maybe they finally get their reconciliation. It, it does, you know, bow tie. Yeah, stories have, to have happy endings. That's how it does. Um, fairly nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. But I don't think people think of this with a happy ending. I don't know. I, I never thought about this until just now um, that, that the story really does 
I mean, they do lose 22 years. Like, it's not great, <laughs> um, great throughout, but it does end in, like, a way where everyone reconciles. And, like, maybe it's the first time um, where, like, you know, brothers aren't doing well and they really come back and, you know, everything's okay at the end. You know, even with Yaakov and Esav, where they go their separate ways and everything seems to be fine, notwithstanding the Midrashim, uh, they they go their separate ways, right? They don't decide to like continue on together, um, but here they really do. Um, and maybe that's what sets up. Um, that's the history that sets right. up. And it's uh, actually a very inspiring. You know, them becoming one nation. And, and it touches it us together. on a human level. We, we know so many people who have sibling rivalries or have complicated yeah. relationships with their parents, but here we have 22 years uh, and, and they were able to kind of have some kind of reconciliation 22 years later. Right. Um, I feel like that's a really great way to end. um, Thank you for having me, Sam. And Safer Brishi. Um, Roy, thank you so much for coming. Um, And um, for those listening, pay attention for next episodes of In the Pod Shop.